there, I'm Linda McHenry, host of Taking the Mystery Out of Insurance. Thanks for joining me. Today is Tuesday, September 1st, and this is episode number 19, Marketing Tips for Beginners. If you'd like more information about who I am, what I do, my books, YouTube channels, and podcasts, visit my website at lindamchenry.com. The podcast page also offers you the opportunity to submit questions for each week's Q&A section of the podcast or to request a guest spot. You might also want to check out my book, Taking the Mystery Out of Business, which discusses what I view as the nine fundamentals for professional success. This week, I'm doing something a little different. I presented a live web training class last week, and today's episode is the audio of that presentation. You can find a recording of the entire event on my YouTube channel, and if you'd like a PDF handout of the PowerPoint slides, just visit my website at lindamchenry.com and submit your request on the contact page. Hello everyone, thank you for joining me here on today's live web training class, Marketing for Beginners. My name is Linda McHenry. I appreciate your interest in this first of my live web training classes. I know that working from home, it's impossible for us to meet face-to-face quite often. And um, we, we need to see clients, we need to see potential customers, we need to reach out to other people. And my goal today is to help you reach more people. Now your microphones are muted and your webcams are disabled, so the only way you can communicate with me is in your chat box or your question box. So do keep that open and and send messages. A lot of people believe marketing themselves is the same thing as selling themselves, and it is. But marketing and selling aren't exactly the same things. And although most people view selling as a combination of boasting and begging, I don't see it that way. In fact, I think selling is pretty simple especially when you understand the one basic component, and then use it so other people do most of the work for you. Everything I'm going to share with you today has been said by other people. Hopefully, I'm going to say it in such a way that a light bulb pops off over your head and all the missing pieces you've been searching for materialize and fall into place. If you'd like a PDF handout of the PowerPoint slides for this presentation, all you have to do is go to my website at lindamchenry.com, reach out to me through the contact page, and I'll be happy to email you a copy. Now, let's talk about my first marketing tip. On your screen are the four components of marketing. Each of these four functions takes place on its own and simultaneously is an element of a larger, more collaborative function. To market yourself effectively, you must understand and master all four functions. The process is a lot easier than most people realize. Advertising is calling the public's attention to something, usually by way of a paid announcement or other message. When you want to advertise, you might buy an ad in a magazine, newspaper, or on the radio. Other ways of advertising are to send email messages, newsletters, direct mail letters, and postcards, or to purchase online advertising space. The use of promotional items, such as logoed clothing and pens, may also be a form of advertising, um, as can some of the things you do on social media. Selling is giving up a product or a service in exchange for something of value, usually money. When you sell, you affect trades. For example, you give away a car for $25,000, or you agree to provide consulting services at a rate of $100 an hour, or you offer a book for sale for $12.99. Networking is the process of sharing information or services to develop and nurture mutually beneficial business relationships. 
Networking can be a component of sales or marketing campaigns, but its primary purpose is to foster relationship. When business people network effectively, they learn about other people and in the process, build rapport and generate feelings of liking and trust. Marketing is not as tangible as advertising, selling, or networking are. Marketing is the act of selling or purchasing in a market. It's also the technique of promoting, selling, and distributing a product or service. Instead of being a single, easily identifiable function, Marketing is the cumulative function of moving products or services from a seller to a buyer. It may involve advertising, selling, and networking, but it doesn't always have to involve each of the other functions. Selling is a numbers game. The more people you target with your advertising, marketing, and networking, the more sales you make. Period. That's all there is to it. And if you think you can market yourself without knowing about sales or without actually selling, you're living in a fantasy world. And before I explain that statement and, and explain how you can sell without having it be difficult, let me tell you a story. I don't recall which sales training event I was attending or who told the story or even if it's true, but it could be true because it exemplifies the power of numbers and the thought processes of a true salesperson. Story goes like this. An insurance salesman in New York City liked making cold calls, go figure. But he hated driving in the city. He decided to spend two hours each workday knocking on doors in high rise apartment buildings to avoid having to drive in heavy traffic. He'd start at the top floor and work his way down, knocking on every apartment door in the process. In a notebook, he kept detailed records about the time of day he made his calls and whether he found people at home when he knocked. His brilliant sales pitch was, you don't want to buy life insurance, do you? Now, if you know anything at all about sales, you know that this sales technique violates most of the rules we were ever taught, especially the one that drills into you that you're supposed to phrase questions so that you encourage a narrative answer rather than a simple yes or no answer. And if you wind up getting a single word answer, you want it to be yes, not no. Despite what most successful salespeople would consider a seriously handicapped cold calling approach, this fellow made a lot of insurance sales. Why? Because he spoke to a lot of people about insurance and he enjoyed what he was doing. Without spending time on driving and parking, he was relaxed and he tackled those apartment high rises as if they were assembly lines. He segmented his cold calls so that each day he performed them at different time intervals and eventually he managed to find nearly all the tenants home. Even though he used a theoretically flawed sales pitch, the salesman achieved a great deal of success because he delivered his pitch with a deadpan expression that caused a lot of people to laugh. And that in turn relaxed them and generated rapport. If a prospect said, no, I don't want to buy insurance, the salesman nodded soberly and he had a serious face and he said, that's what I figured, but it doesn't hurt to ask. And often that comment provoked further laughter and or other questions. The salesman gathered a great deal of free information about the other residents in the high rise, such as when they would be at home, what ones might be interested in buying life insurance, such as those who'd been recently married or had children. As I mentioned before, he wrote a lot of insurance simply because he talked to a lot of people about insurance. I'm not suggesting you use this approach. 
However, the point I make is that the salesman had a plan and he suited the plan to his personal preferences and personality. He used the numbers game to his advantage. He wasn't just lucky. He was smart. Before you can get lucky or smart, you need to learn all you can about the sales process. You have to learn about the law of large numbers, about personality types, about overcoming objections, about the proper way to ask questions, and a host of other things I'm not going to delve into at the moment because I'm sure most of you do not want to become a salesperson. In other words, spend all your time selling. But you do need to know a little bit about sales if you're going to have a marketing plan because you are going to be selling yourself. There is one thing a smart marketer has to do to make a sale, meaning you sell yourself or your book or your service or you interest someone in you. And that crucial element is asking a simple question of the prospect or client. Do you want to buy from me? Your knowledge of the law of numbers doesn't matter. Your ability to generate rapport, trust, or confidence is worthless. Your deftness at overcoming objections doesn't mean a darned thing. Your qualifications as a subject matter expert are meaningless. It won't matter that your book is on the bestseller list. None of those things matter if you don't ask someone to buy, if you don't ask them to buy into you and your product or service. Because if you don't ask, regardless of how skilled you are in other areas, people aren't going to volunteer to buy in most cases. Asking someone to buy is at the same time the hardest aspect of selling and the easiest. Again, no one's going to buy from you if you don't ask them to. Most people assume that when they ask a yes or no question, such as, do you want to buy from me? They risk rejection. I don't necessarily agree with that. And let me close this topic by making three points. Point number one, all salespeople have to deal with rejection. It's just part of the sales process. It isn't personal. It's a numbers game. You ask X number of people a question, a certain percentage are going to be yes, a certain percentage are going to be no. It doesn't matter whether your percentage is higher or lower than mine. If yours is lower, then you just ask the question more times and the numbers will come out. Point number two, salespeople can reduce their risk of rejection and increase their sales production by acquiring certain sales skills and employing them faithfully. So again, the more information you know, the more sales you'll make. The less information you know, the more questions you have to ask to compensate for your lack of knowledge. Point three, successful salespeople focus more on yes than no and envision acceptance rather than rejection. Sure, personality plays a factor in selling, but an important element of personality is attitude. Asking someone to buy with the expectation that they will, in most cases, is going to prove way more successful than either not asking someone to buy or doing so with the expectation that they're not going to be interested. Of course, asking a lot of people to buy is always going to generate more positive results than only asking a few people to buy. Essentially, marketing is the process of moving a product or a service from a seller to a buyer. You have three choices when you market and you get to decide how you want to conduct your marketing efforts. That's your choice. Do you want to do them yourself? Do you want to hire and pay someone else to do them for you? 
Or would you prefer to capitalize on your own special gifts and personality to convince other people to help you do it? Again, the choice is yours. Now we're getting to the fun part of this presentation. This is where I share with you that choice number three, and that's the most satisfactory and long lasting result. It's the easiest and least expensive way to market and it's the most fun. And I'll discuss all three choices as we move along. But first, here's my personal secret to success. When you choose door number three, you open yourself to endless possibilities and you not only help yourself, you help other people as well. That's the most important thing to remember about marketing, at least once you've committed to memory that it's all about the numbers and it's all about asking. So there's qualities on your screen and they're must-haves for marketing effectively. The first is integrity. If you lack integrity, people aren't going to believe a word you say. Oh, at first they might buy whatever you're selling if you're charming and manipulative enough. But over time, they're going to realize you don't keep your promises and you're not trustworthy. If you want to market yourself or anything effectively, you have to walk your talk. The next quality of marketing smart is being sincere. You have to be yourself. Doesn't matter whether you think you're smart enough, outgoing enough, or interesting enough. What matters is that you're authentic. Again, you might fool people into believing you love those huge crowds and hundreds of people talking at once and bumping into each other when you're at a networking event. But if you don't like them, so be it. Market in smaller groups where your comfort level is greater and it's easier for you to be your natural self. Remember that salesman in New York City? That's what he did. The third quality is self-awareness. Know your strengths and weaknesses and play to your strengths. Find the balance between being humble and boastful. The space between the two is much larger than the areas at either end of the spectrum are. The fourth quality is generosity. Be generous. Openness and generosity go hand in hand. If you share information with others, they'll be appreciative and perceive you as kind. They may even be inclined to return the favor. But when you're always generous, people will like and trust you. They'll want to do business with you. By contrast, stingy, emotionally constipated people don't offer their advice, their time, or their assistance. They're always too busy to help. And they'd never offer free advice because they view it as giving away the farm. You know the phrase, what goes around comes around? Well, it applies doubly to generosity. The fifth quality is having a website or a blog. In today's technological world, you absolutely positively need an internet presence. Even if it's a two-page website that explains who you are and what you do on the home page and provides contact information on the second page. If you're not tech savvy, you might prefer a blog. Blogs can be set up to work in a fashion similar to websites, and some people find them easier to maintain. Either way, a website, and or a blog will enable you and your product or service to be found. People can't do business with you or buy from you if they don't know you exist. Next element, number six of the seven, is business cards. And I can't repeat this enough. Everyone who has a job needs a business card. Doesn't have to be expensive or fancy, just needs to have your name and contact information on it. True, it'd be more effective if it said what you did and was pleasing to the eye and felt nice to your fingertips. But the important thing is that when you talk about what it is you do, you want people to be able to check you out. 
The biggest no-no in the business world is to say you don't have a business card when someone asks for one. Think of it this way. You're out there promoting yourself and how wonderful you are. And someone who's interested in buying from you states that intention by asking for your business card. When someone asks for a business card, it means that you've got a hot prospect. And then you say you don't have one or you don't have any. Well, you're going to be viewed as not real serious and not real professional and not real interested in selling yourself and your product, whether you mean it or not. And again, they're inexpensive enough, even at cheap business cards, better than none. And the final tip that I have here of the seven for marketing smart is about memberships. Join a couple of groups or organizations. It doesn't matter what kind, so long as you like the group and the people who are members. I'll be explaining my reasoning shortly. Also, make sure your website links to all your social media presences and the organizations of which you're a member. People like and trust people who are like them, people they can identify with. You'd be surprised at how many people feel a connection to you when they learn you're both a member of the same group or if they see what you're up to on social media. Matchmaking is an overlooked aspect of networking and marketing. Introducing two people who can help each other or who can enter into a business relationship is a wonderful way of showing you care, that you think about other people, and that you're generous. Caring and generosity are characteristics in short supply these days and much appreciated by everyone. Whether you're advertising, selling, networking, or marketing, the primary thing to remember is that you have to establish rapport with other people. For them to like you, say nice things about you, send you referrals, and buy from you, they must trust you and believe you'll do a wonderful job. Usually they need to feel a kinship with you or to admire you as well. Show the world you're worthy of its trust by talking up the people you like and respect. Give referrals to those people, offer free advice, help others, and set them up with other people whom they're likely to enjoy knowing. Regardless of the nature of your business, meeting people, whether it's face-to-face or online, and having them spread the word about your wonderful reputation is truly valuable. If you say how wonderful you are, some people are going to believe you. But if someone else says how wonderful you are, most people are going to believe it. Here's an example. Most people think I'm an extrovert because I'm loud, I talk a lot, and I don't mind being the center of intention. And sometimes I actually seek out being the center of attention. But in reality, I'm an introvert. I recharge my batteries best when I'm alone. My favorite place to be is at home by myself or with my dogs and family. I'm loud because I grew up in a household where you had to shout to be heard. I talk a lot because unfortunately I inherited my father's genes. And I only like being the center of attention when I have control of the room or the circumstances. Put me in a crowd of people as an attendee rather than a speaker and I'm nervous. I don't say much until I I seek out people I know and I can find a level of comfort. When I first started attending networking events where, you know, dozens and hundreds of people gather and try to sell themselves, my stomach would cramp until I found a way I could attend these events without thinking about me and how I felt instead. I focused all my attention on the people I knew and I became a matchmaker. When you network effectively, people you know nothing about come to learn a great deal about you. 
your name, what you do, and your reputation. And you don't have to do the explaining. You let other people do it for you. Now, I want to share with you two stories. And these are true stories. And they involved me when I, shortly after I moved to Montana, um, I grew up in New England and lived the vast majority of my life in New England. But from 2003 to 2011, I lived in Montana. And I started a couple of businesses there. So I knew nobody and I had to do a whole bunch of networking. And I, I followed all this advice that I'm giving you. And I joined a bunch of organizations. And one of them was the Missoula Chamber of Commerce. And I had a client um, at the insurance agency that I had. And they were my IT people. And they were doing an ad campaign and they chose half a dozen of their customers to um, do a, a, a newspaper ad. So they took a photo of the customer and they quoted a testimonial from the customer. Well, I was one of those six people. So that's the backstory. Anyway, I'm at a Chamber of Commerce meeting and we're in this, this member's office building and there's two or three stories and we're in an elevator. There's about eight of us in an elevator going upstairs from one place to the other on a tour. And I'm in the elevator and a woman says, you're Linda McHenry. I know you. I said, yeah. I said, I don't know you. I says, how do you know me? She says, well, I work for the sun, the, the newspaper, the sun, whatever it was. And she said, I worked on the IT company's ad. And you know, I liked your testimonial better than anyone else's. I thought what you said was great. So now how's that? for having somebody else do the marketing for me. Here we are. There's eight of us in the elevator. There's six other people. They don't know me. She said who I am. And she said great things about me. And she linked me to another business that had a good reputation. And that's what happens when you market effectively and when you network effectively. In, in the same organization, Chamber of Commerce, I was at, an, at another meeting. And my friend, Justine, she's like the queen of networking. And I was, I probably had only been in town a year, year and a half. I hadn't been in town real long. And some people knew me, but a lot of people didn't. And I wasn't, I wasn't planning to go to the meeting. And she, she said, you have to go, you have to go, you have to go. And it's like, all right, I'll go. And I walked in and from across the room, she shrieked my name, Linda McHenry, you came. And she rushed over and she hugged me. So again, anyone who knew Justine and liked Justine now realized that Linda McHenry is her friend and that she likes her. So those are the kinds of things that can happen to you if you follow these marketing tips. Now, don't get me wrong. I do love people and I do love gatherings. My preference is to market in small doses with a few people at a time. But if I have to go to one of these big events, I, I, I mentally coach myself and I get myself in the right mode and realize, okay, this is what I have to do. And I behave in a way that suits me. And, and you have to figure out what ways will suit you and what ways don't. Now I want to talk about a few do's and don'ts. All right. Up front, the first thing you do want to do is create a plan. Revise it as time goes along because circumstances change, the economies change, your business change, your personality changes, your network of friends change. And you have to make sure you do your research. Don't ever, ever jump into any kind of a marketing plan um, without having done your research. And again, as I said, you absolutely have to have an internet presence. And again, design that based on your preferences. If you're not crazy about social media, pick one 
type of social media and, 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 and work with that faithfully. But if you're not crazy about tech, you can also hire someone to do it for you. And, and when you are seeking other people to work with, make sure you find people whose strengths and weaknesses offset your own. What you don't want to do with your marketing plan is spend a fortune. You don't want to choose marketing methods based on what other people tell you work for them because they're not you. Their preferences, their style are different. You don't want to copycat them. You don't want to do exactly what they do because that's not sincere and authentic. Now, if somebody does something that you really like, I'm not saying don't do it, but put a twist on it that makes it, makes it unique to you. And the biggest drawback, I think, to some of these marketing plans, and I think this is what burns people out, is they do too much. They choose too many social media presences, or maybe they decide to, to um, administer their website themselves instead of hiring someone to do it if they don't have the, the skills. So again, don't spread yourself too thin. Don't, don't drive yourself crazy. There are some do's and don'ts when you're speaking. And I don't necessarily mean public speaking. I'm just mean talking to people. When I'm marketing myself or my books, I deliberately avoid initiating conversation about myself. Instead, I only mention myself and my work or my job if someone asks me what I do. I'll offer my opinion and thoughts freely, but not information about me or my products or my services. Why? Because only the people who really like, respect, and trust me are going to ask about me, indicating their qualified prospects. And even if they don't buy, they'll still almost always help me market and promote myself to others because they've connected with me in an emotional sense. If I walk up to strangers at a networking or other event, I'll introduce myself and then explain what it was about the other person that caused me to approach him or her. Then I ask them about themselves, not the weather, not about how great the food is at the event and not about any of the other easy conversational gambits. I talk about them. And most caring, compassionate people, especially those that connect with me, will then want to reciprocate. And if they don't want to reciprocate, then I move on to someone else. Each of us is more focused on ourselves than we are on anyone else. It's human nature. And each of us can say how caring we are, how interested we are in other people and helping them. But we show this is true by how we behave. When we consciously focus on other people, ask them questions about themselves, and then listen to their answers, and then match make or, or, or give them information that helps them, we're proving we walk our talk. And do's and don'ts for the long haul. Keep in mind that results don't happen on a one-to-one -one ratio. Often, they don't begin occurring until after some time. You need to build your brand. And it's only after you've built the brand that you'll begin seeing results. And then once you've built your brand, you have to preserve it. Your brand should be unique just as you're unique. Your brand isn't just about colors and logos and content marketing either. It's about who you are, how you conduct yourself, and your thoughts and opinions. Don't compare yourself with your competitors. It isn't about who's better. It's about who gets the job done. Do you want everyone as a customer? Or are you selective? If you if you're a, if you're a writer, is every single reader going to read your book? You know, some people don't like mysteries or romances or nonfiction. 
there's no way you're going to make everybody happy. You only want the customers who appreciate you and what you have to offer. And it, and it's important to understand what the other guy is doing, what your, what your competition is doing, but only in the context of whether what that individual is doing is something you haven't considered before, or if you can do it or something similar in a more effective way without copycatting, meaning you have to put your own twist on everything you do. And my final tip is to pay it forward. Math doesn't work in relationships and paying it forward isn't about math. It isn't about equality. It isn't about keeping score. Paying it forward is all about recognizing that we don't live and work inside a bubble. It's understanding that other people may and often do need our advice, help, and insights. And it's offering those things without expecting payback. Paying it forward means we become instrumental in continuing the flow of kindness, generosity, and success that we were privileged to experience firsthand. Chances are we won't be able to pay back mathematically the people who mentored us and helped us achieve, achieve our success. However, by paying it forward, we're passing on their legacy. And in the long run, usually when we least expect it, the positive benefits will circle back to us. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about me and what I do, are interested in hiring me to conduct training, or would like to find all my podcasts, YouTube channels, and blog, visit my website at lindamchenry.com. My book about the nine fundamentals for professional success, Taking the Mystery Out of Business, is now available on Amazon, and you can learn about that on my website as well. Remember, clueless is a dangerous place to be. Tune in next time as we investigate some more insurance mysteries together. Mm-hmm.